Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. You can read all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. So last episode, I actually just listened to the intro uh, just a moment ago, and I realized I said, oh, there probably won't be any basketball thing unless there's news. Well, we've got news. We have news. Uh, more news than I thought we were going to get. I mean, usually... Not to, this isn't meant to be a flex, but like oftentimes we at least have a sense that there could be news coming, like a someone might be committing or someone might be transferring. Uh, you know, even if we don't hit a hundred, hit a hit, bad a thousand, we at least have a sense. This one, I can't think. I mean, I'm sure Steve, you have good examples, but I can't think of the last this far out of left field news. And that, of course, if you haven't heard by now, Purdue starting guard, no gel Eastern. Uh, he was a start of the last two years, started 62 games, entered the transfer portal Wednesday. I was using the days instead of yesterday and today and all that, just, just in case people are listening to this down the road. But he entered the transfer portal Wednesday, and by Thursday, less than 24 hours later, he had committed to Michigan. So first, we'll start with the context of the uh, rarity of it. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm sure it's happened in recruiting. I'm trying to think of a time that a transfer has happened this quickly. And we'll get, we'll get into what that means in just a moment. But, but Steve, any, uh, any, any stories that you immediately recall in terms of this, this surprising or, or something happening this quickly, I suppose? Uh, <clears throat> quickly? I don't know. But the first thing that pops into my head happened almost one year ago was, be- well, be- be- was Beeline. <laughs> As far as like, I mean, granted, this story nowhere near the magnitude right. of that one. But as far as like a uh, holy expletive uh, kind of, the, I mean, not that that was my reaction necessarily with Beeline it was, but with this one, it was more like, oh, wow, okay. But still, as far as like catching you off guard, mm-hmm. I think this one's pretty, pretty far up there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm Because t- like even like some of the stuff that was surprising like like a josh christopher committing i mean i think everyone in this industry at least went into it knowing eh, there's a pretty i mean i think even if the crystal balls favored michigan i think everyone was like yeah all bets are off though i mean no gel eastern i mean there wasn't even like uh is he talking to michigan this and that but let's let's talk about the transfer and the addition uh because it's a notable one i i don't know you can whatever site you want to ascribe to i hadn't even looked up where he ranked in the top transfers yet because i don't think everyone had necessarily updated their list just yet and so it was kind of i mean he had he was in the portal for me that's got to be the shortest he might have the record actually shortest time in the transfer portal since it's only been around a couple years and so um but it's 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 a very this is a guy that i've I'll admit I'm a little bit higher in his game. I actually took him in the fourth round of my Big Ten fantasy basketball draft. We're an eight-team league. I took him a little too early this year. I was expecting a bigger jump from him. But he's he's got some game. Former top 100 recruit, hailing from Evanston, Illinois. Um, picked Purdue over – I mean, he had, he had a pretty good offer list. Michigan State was in. Michigan, I know, liked him when John Beeline was here. Um, it's, it's, I don't mean that in, to say like John Beeline's stamp of approval, but clearly this was, there was some mutual interest between him and Michigan before that to the point where he visited and received an offer and everything. Um, 
He averaged 5.1 points per game the past three seasons. Two seasons, he was a starter. He averaged seven and a half, so he started to creep, kind of look look like a, well, I mean, DeJulius, but they're not the same player, but that kind of role, that first guy off the off the bench slash maybe a third or fourth option offensively. And then he kind of took a step back this year, and it just seemed it seemed like it was just a really frustrating year for him. It was a frustrating year for a lot of Purdue's team, but it just seemed like um, he, he, I was not, I was surprised, but not surprised when he entered the portal because he just looked like the body language just really looked like he needed a change of scenery and he needed something a little different. I, I think the fact that Matt Painter went out of his way to blast no gel Eastern like that, I think suggests that, um, the feeling was at least somewhat mutual. I mean, you know, it's just kind of one of those, there was clearly some frustration and some tension and, and things weren't going well. And so this, this pickup, there's a lot of questions with it. We are going to tackle some listener questions about it. And I think the first one comes from uh, Linda Mulig says, talk about the no gel Eastern transfer, what it means to the team and what's needed still. So we'll talk about what's needed still toward the end. But as far as what this means to Michigan, um, well, one, it means that they're not playing around with this transfer stuff. You know, they were they are in the final list for Shonday Brown out of Wake Forest. They're in the top five uh, for Jalen Coleman Lands out of DePaul. And you know, I was writing these stories and thinking, okay, they're definitely like interested in a transfer. For them to take a commitment from No Gel Eastern suggests like they they really do feel like they need to get better. They really do feel they're looking at their team. They're looking at the Big Ten both this year, this, this upcoming season, and the season after that. And they're saying, we need, we, need, we need a little bit more than what we have lined up. And, and I think they must have listened to me when I said they, they don't necessarily want a seven-member recruiting class in 2021. And, uh, but, but, you know, this, this is adding to that. This is a part of that group in theory. So, to me, I think it means they, they have a um, really defensively sound guard. They have a really athletic uh, player at the two three position they have some alleviation if if he has to sit out a year they have some alleviation if Franz Wagner goes pro um, if if he plays this year then they have a little bit more comfort in their backcourt granted he's not going to be the primary ball handler in any of these situations but he can play the two you know he can he can defend the two which is important for being a little bit bigger than than most two guards and and he's another pretty talented basketball player on their team. I, I don't know if he would necessarily start. I would think he would. I mean, that's a six seven two guard is is a little tall, two hundred twenty five pounds. I, I guess I, I'd have to see how it works. I know he played mostly the three this year for Purdue, but um, it, it's a nice pickup. I mean, I, again, I don't know where he ranked on the various transfer lists, but I imagine he was pretty high. And there's at least some. There's a, the floor, I think, is high because he's done it at Purdue. Uh, I think his floor is basically what he was this past season. And if he sits out a year, can he work on his shooting? Can he work on his offense? Can he work on his fit with Michigan's team? I think so. And, and if he isn't sitting out a year, well, I still think Michigan got better today. Uh, so, Steve, what, what are some of your thoughts on this edition? I almost feel like sitting out a year would be – like more advantageous right for Michigan here depending and and arguably for him maybe I mean I'm, exactly. I'm sure that's not what he wants to hear but it, it could benefit him in terms of getting that work in it's it's a fascinating 
addition. I think a lot of people are feel it's a little underwhelming, but you're talking about somebody, as you said, who clearly was unhappy at Purdue and for his coach. I like Matt Painter too. I don't mind a guy going out He's and saying what coach. he I don't well, I don't even mind him going out and saying what he thinks. I mean, whatever. If you don't agree with it, so what? you know, to publicly kind of call out guys who are leaving. So what, you know, if, if he's wrong, he's wrong. If he's right, he's right. But I got to assume, you know, Eastern definitely motivated. So you got to have, not going to have any shortage of motivation to get better, prove Painter, Purdue, anybody wrong, I suppose. But a lot of the focus has been on maybe his uh, offensive shortcomings, but yeah, you're adding a potential stopper defensively if you're Michigan. And, and I think that's at least from the outset, that's where the, the biggest value is. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, in fact, we can briefly bring this into the loop. AC three asked us is a good comp for Eastern Charles Matthews. And if so, do you think he will be worse or better than Matthews? So uh, very early to, to make that kind of prediction or, or, or conjecture because I, they have different coaches, they have different teammates. they, are similar in the sense that they're both, you know, defensively focused. Maybe shooting isn't their strong suit. Uh, you know, two, three kind of players playing playing at the two or the three. So there are some similars, similarities. I, I don't know if the, I mean, they aren't the same. They aren't even the same body type, really. I think, I think Eastern's got about 15, 20 pounds on, on Matthews, yet plays guard still. He's also got a couple inches on Matthew. So, so I don't know if it's a perfect comparison and having not talking or spoken to Eastern before, um, I can't sit here and say that they, they come across as similar, but yes, they play defense. They play roughly the same position. Uh, they're, they're top 100 recruits out of high school. So pretty athletic. They come from the Chicago area. So there are, there are a few similarities as far as better or worse. Um, kind of depends. I, 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 I'm with you, Steve. I think, the best case scenario for Michigan and for Eastern, as long as he's patient and, and understands that that's what it is, is him sitting out a year. And this is someone who has declared for the draft twice already, despite <laughs> nobody really necessarily expecting him to go. You know, again, I have no problem with, with players declaring. Um, I have no problem with players declaring period, but I especially, I feel like some people get offended when <laughs> players use this process to get, NBA evaluation and figure out what it takes to get to the league um, as if it wastes the fans time or something, but still he's declared two years in a row. So clearly he actually, that is one similarity perhaps to Matthews is that he thought his time in college was going to be a little bit shorter than it was. And, and it hasn't worked out that way. And so um, I think his experience, I mean, he, you know, when assuming let's, if he sits out a year, he comes in to a team that loses Livers, loses Smith, loses Davis, loses Brooks, probably loses Wagner if we're looking at this the way we think we are. Right. And so who are the veterans on that team? Brandon Johns and that's it. I mean, they don't. everyone else will be a freshman or sophomore. And so that's where Eastern can be a real benefit because – Suddenly, I mean, it's just such a young team. Wow, that's even younger than I thought it was going to be. But because you lose to Julius, David Julius, you lose Colin Castleton, you lose Cole Bajima, that that comes into play from an experience and 
and uh, age standpoint. So that's another benefit. So that's probably, I mean, I, 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 I was saying the other day, what Charles Matthews, I think the best thing he did for Michigan is he bridged the gap between Zach Irvin and the people after Zach Irvin. Zach Irvin was a three-year starter. Um, you know, he was supposed to be a bigger loss than he ended up being, but that's a credit to Matthews for coming in and, and having that veteran experience, having that defense, having, you know, being ready to go. You know, it's almost like a wind-up toy that you just set down and he was already off. And that's kind of where Eastern can come into play, maybe for a Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers type, is assuming he sits out a year, he's already going to be ready to go. They don't have to count on a Terrence Williams. Now they still want, you know, there's still big expectations for a Terrence Williams or a Zeb Jackson. But at the same time, you have at least one guy who's already started in the Big Ten, already produced in the Big Ten, and he's going to be 21-22. I mean, he's currently 20 right now, so he's pretty young, and I think his ceiling is still pretty high. But, um, but yeah, I think he can... I think he can be a plug and play right away. And so as far as Matthews Eastern, some similarities, I don't know about better or worse. I, I'm inclined to think Charles Matthews set a pretty high standard for transfers. So I'm inclined to say I wouldn't expect Eastern to be better, but Eastern had done more before he transferred in than Matthews had. Matthews averaged 1.7 points for Kentucky. So we'll see. It really comes down to the coaching and, and what kind of player they can, Michigan can develop him into. Wasn't Matthews the most outstanding player in the West region when Michigan went to the final four? Yeah. Yeah. Dropped 20 on, was it Florida state? I mean, if, if, if he makes even close to the impact that Matthews does, even if it's quote worse, then it's a huge win and a a huge addition for them at the end of the day. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm inclined to say let's like slow the brakes down a little bit. I mean, Matthews was a, a really valuable player for Michigan and, and, produced you know and I think it's a little bit different than comparing Matthews that can uh to or uh, comparing Eastern to former Kentucky transfer Charles Matthews uh, (laughs) because you know at Kentucky it wasn't so much that he didn't produce as much as it was there's not much opportunity at Kentucky because of how stacked they are I mean he's seen a lot of playing time at Purdue and which I think there's we know a little bit more about what he is right Uh, right you know doesn't mean he can't get better or improve on uh, some things. Like you said, he's a little, actually a little young for his class, but you know, I, I I don't know. Yeah. uh, Using Matthews as the measuring stick, I think is a little unfair to Eastern just because of, you know, you look back at how valuable Matthews was eventually on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's always was a defensive stopper, but he became a pretty well-rounded offensive player too. So it's a little, it's a little, a little lofty in my opinion, just, just knee-jerk reaction to this is a little lofty. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think one thing, it's kind of weird because Michigan has had, what, three transfers in the last 15 years, and two of them worked out amazing, Charles Matthews and, and Duncan Robinson. I mean, Duncan Robinson exceeded every single expectation, and now he's doing it again at the next level. And then there was one that didn't work out, in the in a production standpoint in Jaron Simmons. So it's kind of interesting that yeah, I could see a Michigan fan being like, okay, is he a Charles Matthews transfer or is he a Jaron Simmons transfer? It's like that, that's a very wide range. Most most transfers are going to be in the middle. And one thing I will say, and I kind of said this on on our message board as well, is I I don't think 
fans, fans can do whatever they want, but I would not advise a fan to really scour a player's strengths and weaknesses at their old school because everyone who's transferring is transferring for a reason. If they were, if they were all league, they're probably going pro. If they were second team all league, they're probably sticking it out at their school for another year, right? Like no one's, at least at the Big Ten level. I mean, no one's no one's transferring because they're this perfect player and they want to play somewhere else. They're usually transferring because they're not they're not quite seeing eye to eye with the coaches. They didn't feel like they got a fair shake playing time wise, or there's someone else. You know, they just want a little bit longer of a leash or or little things like that. I mean, usually it's players who didn't quite have the season that they expected and want to try somewhere else. Now there's other reasons to transfer. I'm not trying to lump everybody in this group, but no Eastern is transferring for a reason, just like Jalen Coleman lands is transferring for a reason, just like Sean day Brown is transferring for a reason. And so to sit here and say, well, he's not a perfect player. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, fans. I don't think there is a perfect player hanging out in the transfer portal. Most of them are getting ready to captain their team or getting ready to go play in the NBA draft. And so in terms of t- t- how I would evaluate a transfer or how I would tell a fan to evaluate a transfer, I guess, is, is did Michigan get better today than it was yesterday? And I think in this particular day's case, I think the answer is yes. I mean, Eastern, when he, when he hit the portal, it was notable. People took notice. People said, wow, I thought he was going to start for Purdue next year. Well, now Michigan has him. And whatever that means is whatever that means, but it's more than – I think he'll be at, I think he'll make a bigger impact than Michigan's seventh best 2021 recruit would. And I think he's definitely going to make a bigger impact than the empty scholarship would. I mean, this is, there's no salary cap here. There's no, you know, it's not like Michigan is blowing millions on this guy. I mean, it's, it's really, it really comes down to did Michigan get, is Michigan in a better situation than they would be if they hadn't picked him up? And the answer to me is a clear yes. Whether he turns out to be Charles Matthews, whether he turns out to be uh, Jaron Simmons' production level or something in between, which is more likely, um, he's a net positive. Even if even if he can't, even if he's not much of a shooter. Um, let's see. Were there any other No Jail Eastern questions? Okay, so this one comes from Erol Ozkumru. Forgive me if I mispronounce that. Who do you project as Michigan's 2021-2022 starting point guard? Unsure if that would be Zeb Jackson or not. And I guess that wasn't related to No Gel Eastern. I don't think it'll be No Gel Eastern. I, Steve, I don't know about you. I don't see Zeb Jackson as a point guard. I see him as very much as a shooting guard. I mean, I, I think he could run point. I think it would be kind of similar to what Eli Brooks or even David DeJulius. I know, I know DeJulius and Brooks were both point guards in high school, but I, I just kind of... I don't see him as a, I see him as a, as a two guard kind of off the ball. I, I guess it's hard to tell because we didn't really, he didn't play a ton as a senior because he was playing for uh, Montverde Academy, you know, a couple, couple big time guys on that team, several actually number Bubble. one, team. Say, yeah. like... <laughs> number one high school team in the country. Right. Um, but you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, I would think, I got to, this is maybe it's a bold prediction of me. I think they're going to get a five-star point guard recruit. I think they're going to be able to offer instant playing time 
I think they're going to be able to offer a big leash. They'll be able to point to Trey Burke and Xavier Simpson and Derek Walton Jr. And they'll be able to say, look at what all these point guards, look at the impact that they've had at Michigan. I think they're going to get someone. I, I think this is going to be, I think point guard in 2021 is going to be Jawan Howard's first five-star that they actually hang on to throughout the entire process. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying like I've, I've talked to anybody and heard that, but I just think the, the cards are kind of aligning in that direction. So I think it's going to be a recruit. I could see a transfer. I, you know, I know people, I immediately got texts from, you know, friends or roommates and stuff about Mac McClung. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that want Mac McClung. Michigan's probably throwing their hat in the ring, but that's a pretty crowded ring. But is there another point guard transfer? Usually there is. I just, I, I, there's something, the way Juwan Howard is able to recruit and get in these rooms, I think the fact that they're losing two point guards next season allows Michigan to kind of seal the deal. Steve, any, any thoughts on Zeb or who else might be playing guard? Not really. I mean, if it's not Zeb Jackson, then we don't know. We would not be able to really give a name. Yeah, mathematically, they, we don't. Because yeah, they wouldn't. Answer. They wouldn't have like that's that's it. You know, that heading into next year. So yeah, to either be a transfer or recruit. So you know, I, it's interesting. I mean, I could see Jackson being the point, but I do agree. I think some of his traits lend better to an off the ball type situation. At least uh, the bulk of his playing time you know, in an off the ball type deal. Again, yeah, like a, a guy like Brooks or DeJulius where you can throw him in there when need be, which again, they, they very well may need, you know, uh, at some point. So yeah, no, if it's not a recruit, which it'll be interesting. I mean, aren't they already out for Kennedy Chandler, who I think a lot of people thought Michigan might have a shot with mm-hmm. in 2021. So I don't try to think off the top of my head if there are any. Well, other- Jaden, Jaden Akins, he's from Farmington. I got to think Michigan's at least in the running there. Sure. Uh, looks like it's, I mean, the crystal ball is on Michigan State right now, but Iowa, uh, Michigan, Missouri, who's recruited the Southeast Michigan really well, and Xavier, who also has recruited Southeast Michigan pretty well. So those are a couple, um, you know, well, Max Christie's kind of a two guard, forget that, retracted. Uh, you know, Jalen Warley's a, a combo guard, um, you know, Jaden Hardy. So yeah, they're not it's not like they've been going after, they've gone after a lot of guards. I don't know if they've been going after a lot of true point guards, but um, I don't know. There's just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just saying this into the wind and it's, it's meaningless, but it just seems like they'd be able to, someone is going to take notice when Jawan Howard and, and Michigan staff outlines, look at all of these minutes we are offering at the one, because as you said, I mean, if it's not Zeb Jackson, it's literally nobody on the team that's currently on the team. So yeah. Um, that should be in that. Yeah. I mean, that should be a card you would think would 100%. I mean, it'd play to any school's advantage, but you know, and I, everyone knows how the cycle finished out for Michigan, but I don't think there's any doubt that Howard can still recruit. Mm-hmm. I think they got dealt a crap hand with that G league thing popping up at the very last second. So um you know what I mean? If that doesn't yeah, pop up yeah. and Todd signs, nobody's questioning how well Juwan Howard can recruit. You know, right? right. And so. and you know, with Christopher, I mean, could they have? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about what Josh Christopher, what the communication was like. But I'm sure the the coaching staff is going to learn as they go. I mean, 
you know, Saudi Washington, known for as a pretty strong recruiter, but it is a different, I mean, there are a couple different tiers of players and, and you have to recruit each tier differently and each player has to be recruited differently. So they're going to learn, but I, I kind of, I kind of view it as maybe Michigan is kind of like an Oregon who's been able to produce multiple pro quarterbacks in football. Well, what happens when they have a quarterback opening? Oftentimes they can recruit the quarterback position a little bit better. Maybe Oregon's not the best position, but like, you know, they've been everyone who's been a point guard for Michigan has had a lot of success. They've had a celebrated legacy. Now Xavier Simpson probably isn't going pro like Derek Walton and Trey Burke did, but at the same time, you know, he was in the championship game and he was kind of driving, driving the car and had a lot of, a lot of great memories in his career. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> we'd, we'd have to, we're going to have to see how this 2021 recruiting goes. Um, you know, see how, how things get whittled down. Next question. Uh, not too many more here. Oh, Quentin. Uh, hold on. What's this account? Gotta make sure it's not a swear word. All right. Quer, Quervo Jones 69 says, how big is Juwan's name in the AAU world? Seems like he gets the attention of any and every recruit he wants. His appearance in the Jordan doc make an impact for a year or two going forward. So Steve, feel free to weigh in or correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think he's, I think it's a big impact. You know, I think the fact that his kids are in the AAU circuit, he can gr- easily, easily sympathize, empathize, identify with parents and what they're going through. Um, he actually a couple times has gotten more access to some of these events because his kids are in the AAU circuit. So things that are close to coaches, but not to parents, he's able to attend as a part of that. Um, and, and I think, I think his NBA presence makes a big difference. You know, I, I was kind of off base here when he initially got hired. I'm like, I, these kids don't remember Jawan Howard playing in the NBA. Um, and the parents do, but it's, I mean, it's, it's not like LeBron's walking through the door, but he's, he's able to so easily name drop and talk about his time as a five-star recruit, his time at a big time college, um, you know, his experience with what 19 years in the NBA plus coaching NBA players. I mean, man, all you gotta do is say, Oh, you know, you remind me of, uh, you know, of Udonis Haslam or, or Bam Abadeo or Dwayne Wade. <laughs> it's just like that, that resonates. And, and then I think the fact that he's, he's young and I think he can really level with these players. I think that makes a really big difference because I'm I know Michigan fans really love John Beeline. I can't even imagine what a conversation with him and like a Josh Christopher type would have been like, I don't even know if there would have been a conversation and that's not meant to be a knock on, on Josh Christopher or John Beeline. They just, their experience in, in basketball are, are very different where Juwan Howard kind of has both sides of it. So, um, you know, he's been that player and I, I think, I think that can make a difference. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't talked to AAU coaches. I do think this is a, very interesting year because I think if this 2020 class does well, I think the doors start to open in the DMV area for him in terms of recruiting. If Terrence Williams and Hunter Dickinson have good experiences, um, you know, obviously he's got connections in Chicago and, and in Florida. Um, I mean, just he's got to, he's got to be him, you know, bit by bit. Nothing's automatic in recruiting as we 
saw this year. At the same time, Michigan's had a lot of success lately. Juwan Howard is, I would argue, a household name in basketball. Just between the playing, the coaching, and the coaching at Michigan, I think he's gotten to that point where you can say Juwan Howard's in the building and everyone knows who it is. And so, you know, next step is is kind of continuing what he's doing. I think he's shown I think he's shown that AAU standouts are really paying attention to when Juwan Howard's interested. I mean, both his kids are in the AAU. Right. I think he has the connection. When I think one of the first uh, people or uh, entities to shout him out on Twitter after he was hired was the Mac Irvin Fire account on Twitter. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's one of that's the Chicago, biggest, right? Yeah. It's one of the biggest yeah. AAU teams or groups in the country or whatever. So definitely, definitely helps. And it's, it's, yeah, he's definitely known in those types of circles, which of course is always going to assist you on the recruiting trail. It's part of what, you know, a guy in a similar position in Penny Hardaway, that's really part of what a big part of what's made Memphis a force on the recruiting. Well, trail. he, he was also a coach of an AAU team too. Still, which, but which I'm just saying that, just <laughs> saying that being known in the AAU Circuits right, is, is right. pivotal for any guy, let alone, you know, it's more of a feather in Howard's cap given all the NBA experience, like you said. You said that LeBron's not walking through that door. Of course, you know, ironically, LeBron also one of the first guys to shout. I know. That's kind of why what I was hinting yeah, at there. <laughs> Howard out uh, after he was hired. So, and I saw that the second half of the question about the Jordan documentary. I mean, could be one of those like little things. I don't think it's like going to like, I mean, how long was he on there? I haven't, so I'm waiting to watch. I'm waiting for this documentary to be totally done and I'm going to watch it all in one ish. I've sitting. seen, was five, he in there for like a few seconds or? I, I actually don't know. Okay. Um, didn't seem like, I don't, didn't feel like he was in there like a ton. So, you know, it could be one of those, one of those little things. It's kind of, it is kind of neat though. You think he's in this documentary or is at least like mentioned or brought up or whatever and then also has the shout outs from guys like LeBron and Wade so kind of a part of both generations there where he can you know I don't know possibly an area where he can lean on that in recruiting and and yeah I mean here's the thing you know we talked about the Josh Christopher thing that's how big time this is what big time recruiting is in basketball it's a little wackier than even the football recruiting stuff usually is and based on their offer sheet so far in 21 they're going to continue to play with the big dogs on the recruiting trail. You know, the NBA is what is going to, if Michigan does end up ever signing a few of these guys that are in the top 15, top 10, it's going to be his NBA experience, both as a player and a coach is going to be the primary reason they commit. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody's, you're not, you know, these guys who are already one foot out the door the day they walk on the day they step foot on campus are, are they're not committing to Michigan because, of their, you know, graduate school programs or their great poli sci department. You know, I mean, that's, that that's so stuff does not matter at all. It's all about, let me get how to, what's the best path, quickest path to the pros. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's a lot of different recruiting things because they're not going to, I don't think Michigan's ever going to become a one and done university where, their entire starting five is freshmen. Um, I don't think they, I don't know if that really benefits them to be honest either. So they're, it's, it, he, 
it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch as it develops over the next couple of years, what kind of identity Michigan has in the recruiting trail. But man, I, I think it's hard to, it's, I understand where fans have a hard time grasping this because you know, making a top five could mean nothing. It could mean a lot. I'm inclined to think it means a little bit more because it was such a short class. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I, to me, I think, I think he's, I think he's very well known. And I think if they can make the tournament, if they can make the run, make a run next year, then I think there's a lot of, a lot more people, people start maybe not lining up, you know, when Juwan Howard's in the building to make sure they talk to him and get an offer from him. But, but there's a little bit more of a, people are seeing Michigan in that same light. So um, hopefully that answered your question. Next one. Uh, this one can be quick because the answer is I don't know. Michael Morse, uh, Wolverine Morse 2, says, when do you think we see a de- decision made by Livers regarding his future? So they push the deadline back. I, I know a couple players are starting to make their decisions to return, which makes me think that the NBA has done a little bit more of their evaluations. I got to think Livers is going to wait and see about the combine. He's going to wait and see about the workouts because he's mentioned that as a big part of his process. I'm inclined. I, I, I don't know about you, Steve. I, I got the sense of seeing some of his interviews and sitting in on a couple of them that he's aware he's not on any mock draft boards. He's not going to throw away a senior season, a chance to be a captain, a, a degree just to be undrafted and work his way up. But he knows he can do that in a year. So as far as the timeline of the decision, I'm guessing it, it kind of depends on how far they push the combine back. If they push it back into August, he probably just says, you know what, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be less in nine months. I'll be in the same situation. Right. If, if they push it back to like mid June, I could see him waiting it out. And I think I got to think of all the coaches we know of John Howard's probably going to be the most patient with livers. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to be mad that a player is trying to pursue his dreams. So, um, yeah, I mean, short answers. I don't know. Long answer is I don't know with a few additional details about why I don't know. Yeah. There's I mean, there's nothing for me to add. I don't think anybody knows right now. So, all right. Last, last thing, last part of Linda's question about what's needed still um, Michigan is, they still have a scholarship opening, right? With, with, even with no gel Eastern, they still have a scholarship available in theory. I, again, if Eastern is ruled immediately eligible, maybe this, this changes things, but in theory, they have another spot in their rotation still available. They're in the same spot as they were before, just with a little bit more assurance in 2021, 2022. So they're in on Jalen Coleman lands. They're in on Shonda Brown. Part of me is a little hesitant to say there's still major players in it just because they literally just took a transfer at the same position. But I, I do think Michigan is still very much in the market for a six foot four shooting guard. Think of like Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman or Jordan Poole, um, you know, or, or any two guard, I, I guess it's not just those two, but those are some recent players who, who've played big roles for Michigan in recent years. And so, yeah, I mean, if they could get a Brown or Coleman lands or 
I mean, really, those were the two that always stood out to me the most on the, on the um, you know, when I put those lists together. But if there's someone else that, that hits the portal um, or someone else 30 in the portal that maybe they've seen that I haven't gotten a full look at, I mean, they can really kind of dust their hands off and, and call the offseason at least a draw, maybe even a slight win. But I do think, Steve, do you, how, how important do you think it is for, for Michigan to get a two-guard? Hey, my thing is I think they'll be good regardless, but if they're trying to contend for a Big Ten title, I do think they need one more piece. Shooting. Yeah. It's, to me, it's that simple. I don't really think it's very complicated at all. They have a lot of – I like – a lot of the pieces they have coming into next year, and we talked about that in our past basketball podcasts. If they can add a, you know, a, basically a guy whose primary specialty is shooting the basketball from beyond the three-point line, I think they could be a pretty interesting team next season. You know, I mean, they already got guys that can shoot it, but I think they got they Livers, need... they got Johns, they got Wagner. I, I like all their shooting. Plus Brooks, maybe, yeah, Brooks. That's true. Who always gets forgotten when we're mentioning guys that can do things? I have a um, full feature about him. I, still I know, but I don't. I swear every time, every time we start listing guys that can just that uh, breathe on the team, like we always or can do this or that, it's Brooks always gets forgotten. Uh, but either way, I, I I still think adding another shooter to the rotation, I think, is probably priority number one. I guess. I guess I don't know if you're getting, you know, nitpicky. Maybe another. I'd be a guy who can play above average defense. Right. You know, I think would also be, I don't think there's anyone sitting in the portal. That's a shooter, a two guard and above average defender. Right. At the The, power five level. I mean, they wouldn't be a port. They wouldn't be in the portal. I think it's, I think it's Coleman lands. I think it's Brown. I don't know if there's a third member of that that list. Either of those guys I think would be welcome. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, and I mean, that's what it is. Iowa brings back everybody, Michigan state, Brings back a pretty good team. Wisconsin, I don't know if they lost anybody other than Kobe King. Uh, it's it's about competing with that group If at, at this point. I think, I think Michigan's comfortably in that five to eight range in the Big Ten. They'll make the tournament. Uh, they have a high ceiling. They have potential. I mean, we're talking about three double-digit scorers are returning. They bring in the num- Big Ten's number one recruiting class. Uh, but I think there's, there's a missing piece. And so we'll see. We'll see what Michigan does. We'll see what this Nojel Eastern, maybe maybe Michigan thinks he's the missing piece. I, I do think, I guess we didn't talk about this a ton, um, and we don't have to either, but uh, very notable to me how quickly this all transpired. I mean, clearly, I know Jawan Howard, I want to say it was in January, the first time they matched up. He said something about Nojel Eastern. We know he's a, he's a, he's a big force. I, I'd, I'd have to find the actual quote, but... Clearly, Jawan Howard really thinks highly of Nojel Eastern for this to occur this quickly. And I know Nojel Eastern, I could see his family, you know, I mean, they're, they're a Big Ten family. I know at one point they, um, they looked at Michigan pretty hard. So clearly there's some, maybe they were seeing something that Michigan had, uh, or maybe, you know, Nojel Eastern is from Chicago. Maybe there's, there's been some sort of scuttle in his hometown about, Hey, Michigan could probably use you or hey, there's an, there's another Big 10 school that could use you if you want to hit the portal, but to me, I think it's if I see a player already has committed to a school of Michigan's caliber within 24 hours, to me, 
that means Michigan has a plan for him. And they outlined that plan and it was, uh, both, both parties were in full agreement of what was happening. Uh, I mean, Steve, you've seen some of those, some very quick commitments. I guess what, what, what does it mean to you just real quick? Perfect fit. It's, or I don't mean when somebody jumps, I mean, if this is the equivalent to an offer that's committed upon right away, my initial instinct is that it's in their mind, it's the best, probably the best opportunity they're going to get. That's strictly from a football recruiting standpoint though. I mean, with sure. the, with this situation, it might be a little bit different, but again, I mean, he, the word portal could almost be used literally and yeah. how quickly <laughs> and how quickly this happened. So, you know, he may have, I mean, who knows? I mean, he, cause he, I think it's important to know he was recruited by Michigan before he's visited campus. Yep. Yeah. He, he so, knows what it's about. Exactly. So, you know, that's a good, I think that in this situation is another reason why it happened as quickly as it did is he's already very familiar with the facilities with uh, John Sanderson too, who's, mm-hmm. who was there before, you know, when he was being recruited before. And then he's obviously aware of what Juwan Howard's all about. So who's not. So I think, you know, a combination of those types of things, but yeah, I mean, and it may be the best opportunity that was going to rise, arise for him for all we know. So. And that's, a th- I mean, you know, it, to me, I think, I think the perfect fit part, probably, I mean, some, those two think it's perfect fit, whether the fans or, or the media or whoever disagree. I, I think um, clearly this was something that, I mean, I guess, I don't know. You can imagine how a conversation went. I'm Eastern enters the portal, Michigan reaches out, lots of mutual interest between the two. And then within a day he's committing. Didn't visit other schools. Didn't even seem to hear from other schools. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, it, to me, I think that means that they've got they've got one fit that they feel pretty good about. And then, is there one more out there? I think there is. I don't know if they're interested in Michigan, um, but I think I think there's room for a grad transfer or immediately eligible transfer guard. That, as Steve mentioned, shooting is probably priority number one. Um, length and athletic defense is probably priority number two. So with that, uh, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Thank you so much for listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Uh, Be sure to uh, rate and review and subscribe and, and tell your friends if you liked it. And we'll have some football talk in our next episode. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.